1: You were made to be a joyful mama, to have a heart that is thriving, not striving. And we want to help you step into the fullness of all you were created to become.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Joyful Mama Show. We're so excited because we're interviewing today a woman that Sarah and I both have so much respect and admiration for. Um, We met Bethany Hicks just a few months ago when we were all at a conference together, but we have been kind of running in the same circle. We'd kind of rubbed shoulders at different entrepreneurial kingdom events and things like that. And we had just kind of admired her from afar, but we were so excited when we got to meet in person. We got to hear a little bit about a couple of the books she's written and just her heart for mothers and women and empowering them to step into the fullness of what the Lord has. And so we just boldly asked, Hey, would you be open to being on our podcast? And she, we were so grateful. She said yes. So um, Sarah's going to introduce and tell us a little bit more about her, and then we're just going to dive into hearing a little bit about her story and just what her heart is for women in this season and what she's calling us all into as Kingdom Mothers.
1: Yeah, so we have been reading Bethany's amazing book called Own Your Assignment. But apart from that, Bethany is also a speaker and co-founder of Vedic Company. She's known for releasing passion and grace to inspire people and embracing their world changer identity. Her first book, Own Your Assignment, is a powerful prophetic call that aims to redefine spiritual mothering in the kingdom of God. And her most recent book, The God Connection, empowers every believer to recognize and respond to the voice of God in all the ways he speaks. So Bethany, thank you so much for being here.
2: Yeah. I'm so excited to be with you guys. It's thanks for asking me. Yeah.
1: So we would love to hear a little bit about your journey and kind of how you came to the place of writing the book, on Your Assignment. What's your story, Ben?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it actually started about five years ago when I was, I was currently at the time I was the worship director at my church, my home church, the mission, which was in Vacaville, California. Um I currently live in Texas now. So but this was about, you know, a couple years ago that I moved, but it was on a Mother's Day that the leadership asked me to speak and preach on a Sunday morning on Mother's Day. You guys know, like token woman on <laughs> Mother's Day, right?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I
2: mean this church was obviously they embraced um women speakers. Actually, they do more so now. But anyway, as I was uh, preparing for this message, it was actually the first time I had preached at my home church um, at the mission. And so I was kind of like pondering this idea of like, what do I speak on Mother's Day? What's relevant to both the women in the room, but also the men, you know? And and so as I was like asking the Lord about it, um, I started to remember these encouraging words That I would get from people over the years, where they'd say things to me like, I believe God's called you to be a pioneer and a forerunner, you know, like you have a voice that shifts cultures, like all these really powerful words that really resonated with my spirit. And then they would also say words like, and you'll be known as a mother, you'll be walking as a spiritual mother, you know, and I would cringe inside. (laughs) when I got these words. And it's not because I don't love being a mother. I have three uh, children of my own that I've raised. I love being a mom to my kids, but I knew that this word actually was speaking more to this idea of like being a kingdom mother or a spiritual mother rather than uh, a natural mother. I think it included that. And so I started to just kind of wrestle with the Lord about that because honestly, for me, The concept of um, spiritual mothering is just not really talked about in the church. There's a lot about fathering, a lot about uh, how important that is, and I so agree with all of that, but there has been a shocking lack of definition about what a kingdom mother is in the kingdom of God and what a woman, what her voice is like in the family of God and in the church of God. And so the Lord really took me on this journey biblically to look and see what mothers in the Bible did. If a father in both the natural family and even a spiritual can do it all, then why do we need a mother? And so what is like the distinctive qualities that a, that a mother carries? And so, um, the Lord took me on this journey in his word where I, um, developed this message. I felt like he gave me a revelation and a download of things I have never heard before about spiritual mothering, or, you know, the let's call it the assignment of mothering, because it really does apply to both natural and spiritual. And so I shared and preached this message on that Sunday morning. Now, I don't know about you guys, but like, in the moment, have you guys ever done something, said something, or been somewhere where you're like, it was bigger than the moment? Like you mm. maybe said something or maybe you're speaking, you're like, I don't know why, but something, shifted in my life. The trajectory of my life just shifted from this and that's kind of wow. how it felt. Wow. So I preached this message Sunday morning at my local church and I just knew it was bigger but I didn't know how. So mm-hmm. fast forward 2 months later, I was at um I was at this event. I was asked to be one of the speakers on a Q&A panel with the two fathers of this movement really, right? So is again almost like token woman on the Q&A panel and I literally found out like we're talking minutes before the Q&A panel. So I had no preparation or anything. And wow. so they they were asking, I was able to hold my own with the questions and stuff like that, which thank you, Lord. But um, <laughs> one of the questions they asked me was, what's it like being a woman leader in a man's world in a sense? And in that moment, I knew I was supposed to share just a couple of the keys that God had shown me about this kingdom mothering. -hmm. And so I remember, like, for like three minutes, I'm just like preaching this kind of bullet point message, the kingdom mothering. And when I was done, I just remember ending it with something like, and women just need to rise up and own it. You know, like, I remember just like this big call, and the place erupted in applause. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, standing ovation awkward. Like I'm looking around, like, I do not know what to do right now. And, um, you know, and it was, I think it was the only time they've ever had a standing ovation on a Q and a question. Like it was so <laughs> funny, but in that moment, the, one of the leaders stood up and he, and he spoke over me in front of like all these people. And he said, Bethany, you're going to write the book that redefines mothering in the kingdom of God. And so that was kind of the beginning of, of, I would say, this mantle that came on me for what we would even say like apostolic mothering, like raising Mm -hmm. up the mothers of the kingdom of God and helping to equip them with the voice and the assignment that God has given them. So that was really the beginning. God confirmed this to me a um, a few months later through other words that were given to me. So I knew it was him. And so um and so this was kind of fun. You guys will get a kick out of this. So, I'd love to tell you that like writing this book, it was like a supernatural experience where like, you know, an angel spoke into my ear all the words <laughs> I needed to say or like a golden feather came down from heaven and and it <laughs> helped me write this book. And it's like that's not actually what happened. But what I did do is I set I set every day for about 20 minutes to just write. You know, I listed out the table of contents, kind of had this like message in my heart. And I just started writing. And, you know, if there was a grace, I would continue to keep writing for an hour, an hour and a half. If there was no grace to keep writing, I would stop. So I ended up writing this book in about four months period of time, my first book. And then I don't know if you guys have written a book, but if, if you know the process, the editing can take at least that long, if not longer too, you know, so so that process took a long time and then getting the book cover and the design. And, but this was what is so funny because the day I got my paperback book, my first proof copy, I heard the Lord tell me, I want you to look back, um, in the calendar and look to see when the senior leader gave you this word that you're going to write the book. And I looked on my calendar, it was nine months to the day when I got my copy of my book, right? So again, this book is about kingdom mothering. As mothers, we all know we carry a baby for nine months, and this book literally, from start, from the beginning of the word, the release of the mantle to the first paperback copy, it took nine months. I wasn't trying to do that, you guys. Um, <laughs> honestly, you can't even like make that happen with publishing. You don't know when you're going to get it um, in the mail. And so I just felt again, that that was another confirmation from the Lord. Um, and so the book's already been translated into several languages. Um, it was, uh, it was going to be used actually had already been purchased. It's been translated into Portuguese. It was going to be used for the, the women's, the largest women's event in Brazil. Um, I have so many women that have reached out to me. Women are using it for Bible studies in groups. Like it's kind of amazing to me to see what God has done with this. I'm actually working on a companion study guide right now, but that's kind of a, a little snapshot of how that book came forth. And, and more than the book, you guys, it really is, a it is like an assignment and a mantle that the Lord has put on me that I'll be honest, I'm still exploring what that looks like and what's on his heart for this. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. That's such an incredible story. I love that it was nine months from conception to birth. Yes. Um, well, the first question I had jotted down to ask you really goes along with everything you just shared. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me from the very beginning of the book was you said, I I had a mandate to clarify and redefine what mothering in the kingdom looks like, kind of like what you just shared. Um, I would love to hear just what mothering in the kingdom means to you and how is this perspective different from what you've seen in mainstream culture? I think that most of us have experienced, like you said, there's been a lack of clarity. There's been a lack of understanding. I think there have also been some lies and some things that have been just portrayed and taught incorrectly. And it's really caused there to be kind of this glass ceiling on women stepping into what leadership looks like, what true mothering looks like, really what God's heart is for us as women. And so what's the difference between the common conception of what a mom should be or what a mother should be versus what you're seeing is this mandate of kingdom mothering?
2: Yeah. Well, I love to use this example. That's such a great question. And I know exactly what you're talking about because, um, honestly, I had to kind of deal with some of my own misconceptions in writing this book, because again, this really had nothing to do with me being a natural parent. And I felt like it had to do with that kingdom spiritual mothering aspect, mm-hmm. which first of all, I want to say that I believe every woman is called to be a kingdom mother, whether you're being a kingdom mother, spiritual mother to your natural children or to other people's sons and daughters in your life that you're called to influence, because we have to remember that the kingdom is family, right? Mm -hmm. First and foremost, the kingdom of God is family. And the natural trajectory of maturity in the family is to grow from being daughters to mothers, you know and so obviously we're always going to be the daughter of God we're always going to be his daughters and his children but in our relationship with one another we should be growing and there's always somebody that we could pour our life into that we can that we can connect with and and even be that kingdom mother in their life to help bring maturity to them so um for me some of the common like some of the main misconceptions that i found is that Um, most people try to make mothering almost like a personality trait, you know, like when I would think of mothering before I would think of like that kind of Betty Crocker, Susie homemaker, um, kind of like sit on the rocker knit and there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. Um, Mm -hmm. but obviously not everybody fits that description. I know I didn't now I was a stay at home mom for a period of time, but I, I never really did. All, I mean, I, and I sure I cooked and I cleaned, but that wasn't just all, that wasn't me. Like that picture of like that 1950s, I have nothing more in life that I want to do than just vacuum this floor and feed my children. Like that just wasn't me, you know, obviously it's a part of being a mother, but I'm like, there has to be more than to a mothering assignment than just these kind of like, even, even the idea of moms are the nurturers, like that, that word covers a whole lot. And it makes it seem like every mother is like, Oh honey, you got a boo-boo. Let me, let me kiss that owie for you. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't actually me that, that like, if the kids got hurt, I'm going to be the mom. That's going to be like, let's clean up that owie. Here's a bandaid, go back out and play. Like that's, that's me, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I felt like, honestly, there are boxes in a sense that have put themselves on women thinking that they had to meet this certain criteria, this certain, um, kind of like display of what they think it should be like. And so what I believe, and I believe scripture is, it backs this up is that there is an assignment of mothering that is universal for Mm -hmm. all women. But its expression is going to be unique to who God has uniquely created you to be. So I use this analogy, um, and I, I feel like it was helpful. I use it in my book. But let's use, for example, like a doctor, right? And when someone becomes a doctor, their um assignment, you could say, is to heal people, like is to bring health and wholeness and healing to somebody's body. Now, the unique expression will depend on what particular avenue they chose you could have a foot doctor you could have a lung doctor a heart doctor a skin doctor you know there's so many um ways that that a person could express that depending on their specialty depending on what they chose to focus on so i believe that you could say broadly that the assignment of a mother is actually to raise up and release world changers And I'll talk about that in a little bit, like where I see that in scripture. So, if the assignment, the universal assignment is to raise up and release world changers, again, both naturally and spiritually, then the way that that is expressed uniquely will be through who God has created you to be, right? So, you can have the stay at home mom with 10 kids operating in the kingdom mothering assignment, and you could have the CEO woman who doesn't have children, even who is also operating as a kingdom mother within her workplace, within her customers to some level to, you know, again, there's no, um, it, it's very, it's very customized to who God has created every woman to be. And, um, so I, I feel like that is probably something that has helped me. And honestly, I think it's helped a lot of women not be afraid to own this assignment. Cause I think a lot of women, are afraid to own this kind of title of mother for different reasons. But one honestly could be because they thought it had to look a certain way and they know that they don't fit that mold. And so when you understand that the assignment of mothering is to raise up and release world changers, then you get to dialogue with the Lord about what that looks like and how he created you to be. Oh, so good. so good.
1: (laughs) So what's funny about Liz and I is, We come from the opposite side. And we talk about this a lot because I feel like so many women can relate. Like Liz is the mom who wanted to stay home with her kids and like wanted to like be there all the time and never wanted them to leave her side. And I was the woman that was like, I guess I'll be a mom and I guess I'll have kids and they'll just have to come with me as I do all the things for God that I'm doing. And it's crazy how the Lord has kind of brought us to this middle place of like, respecting the call on each person's life. And really, I love what you're saying because it's so freeing. It's like you get to be you in the kingdom and be part of what God's doing on the earth and step into this assignment he has for all of us as women, but you don't have to be a copy of somebody else. And you still get to like fully express what God's put in you. And I feel like a lot of times as women we're told to be one expression or another and you're not good or you're not doing it right, unless you're the single expression that somebody has said, this is what women are supposed to be like. So I love what you're saying. I feel like our listeners are always saying like, oh, I'm like Liz, or oh, I'm like Sarah. And (laughs) we can all kind of come together under this banner of God's commission for us as women.
2: Yeah, that's so good. It's so true. I mean, I know that like, Women are, I mean, I think it even helps break off, like not just boxes off of you, but it can even break off some of that competition, you know, or even like the shame that you don't fit into what your mother was or what you deem as what a perfect mother is. You know, I mean, I remember even at that event that we guys, that we all met at, you know, like a lot of the other speakers, they all had at least eight children. And I'm like, should I even be a speaker here? Cause I only have three <laughs> children. Like, I don't even know if I qualify right now. It's just like, it was an abnormal amount of women that had eight plus children, right? Mm-hmm. At least four or five of them. And so, I, I mean, I get that that can communicate a message sometimes too, that to be an amazing mother you have to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I just want women to be free, to be who God has created them to be, even in this expression of mothering.
0: That's so
2: good. One of my favorite things that we actually heard you say at that
0: conference was, and I might botch it up a little bit, but along the lines of the best way to raise a world changer is to be one yourself. That was like, of all the things I heard in that day of speakers and all the things that was like the takeaway that was like, Sarah, that one sentence was worth the drive. it was worth the expense wow. of the hotel that one sentence and um I stood on that for you know weeks just thinking what does that really look like for every one of us And like you said, the expression is different but it really puts a demand on leaning into the Lord. Like, what is my assignment? What's the world changer that I'm, who's the world changer I'm called to become because my kids are watching me. And if there's dreams and desires and things that are just sitting on the shelf and they think that my whole world revolves around them and dishes and and vacuuming, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm doing them a disservice Absolutely. because there's something more that I'm called to. And I was, I do love being home. I love like Sarah said, um, I've always kind of just known, um, even before I was a believer, I just was like, I want to be a stay at home mom when I grow up. And then entrepreneurship found me kind of by accident because there was a financial need. And so I stepped into, you know, building a business because we needed more income. And it was like, I, it's not fair to my husband that he's doing all he can do. And I'm just, you know, Not contributing financially. So it was, it was from a place of need that I stepped into discovering what was inside me the whole time. I didn't understand that there was the capacity to be mom and entrepreneur and wife, and that I could really make an impact in the earth from my home. Right. Be a stay at home mom, but that doesn't mean your impact has to be confined within the walls of your home. And so I just love that invitation to really step into, um, becoming the world changer that your kids can really, you're emulating what you want them to try to tap into in their own walk with the Lord. So
2: totally, you know, it's so funny as you were sharing, I was just thinking about like, I don't know that people realize, I feel like the Lord's just like, women have an anointing for entrepreneurship. And I've never said this before and I've never even had this thought before, but the Lord reminded me of Proverbs 31, which we all know is this like, this is the epitome of the (laughs) female standard that we all have to be. And honestly, like, Uh this is so funny, but I'm remembering like, I I used to be a Christian school teacher too, like a junior high teacher at a Christian school years ago. And so every year in Halloween, instead of dressing up, in Halloween, we would dress up as a Bible character. <laughs> and um, I remember this one one of the other teachers dressed up as the Proverbs 31 woman, and she had like this um headscarf and a basket and fruit, and like just kind of this, like almost like this Amish kind of a look, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that was the implication. That's honestly how I think a lot of us have seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thinking about like Proverbs 31. I mean. She says she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She provides food for her family and portions for her servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, not her husband's, but her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable. It's like... Like, there is an anointing, I believe, on women to take. I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's like women have an anointing to take a house and make it a home. You know, they have an anointing to take something that's given them and actually produce something that's so much greater. And it is that gift of entrepreneurship, but it is that world changer thing. Like, like it's so much bigger than um i think what we've thought before and you know that term world changer i know we it is a buzzword a little bit but honestly i believe that the scripture lays out for this in psalms 112 where it basically says that the children of the righteous will be mighty in the land mm-hmm. The generation of the upright will be blessed. So even that that word, their children will be mighty in the land. Uh, you could also say that they'd be champions in their generation. Wow. That sounds like a world changer to me. Yeah. And, and so again why is the best way to raise a world changer is to be one first i mean as you were talking about elizabeth obviously it's so important to model for children what's possible for them like we don't want to just model what's necessary you know like take care of your body and wash your hands and vacuum the floor and be a contributing adult we also want to show them what's possible that when God calls you to something, he provides. And when He, when your children or those that you're called to influence see you walking in the fullness of who God's created you to be, it gives them permission to do the same. And so this is, again, I go deeper into this concept and even the biblical basis of that in my book, but I, that revelation, I think, gives permission for women to honestly own their assignment, to be who God said that they are. I think a lot of times we think that we can be the world changer after our children grow up and become one or our husband becomes one or everyone else gets to be all awesome and great and do the cool things and do the world changing things while I stay home and, you know, I suppress myself. I don't get to do that. You know, I have to wait my turn. And honestly, I believe like there's this mindset that thinks that in order for others to be powerful, I have to be powerless. I have to be less. And I think that has hindered women, especially for way too long, because there is room for us to be powerful and also for those that were called to mother to be powerful as well. Um, I actually believe we do. Like you said, Elizabeth, it's like we actually it's, we do our children a disservice by living a powerless life. Mm. And so, you know, and obviously it looks different for every woman. Like, I don't want people listening to this thinking like, oh my gosh, I have to go write a book. I have to go buy land. I have to go do all these things. No, they're like, you have to do what God's called you to do. And that is powerful, mm-hmm. right? That is powerful. And, and I often like to say, too. It's like, well, how do I know what God has called me to do? Well, operate in the pace of grace. Like where do you have grace right now? There were seasons of my life where I wanted to go out and do more, but my kids were still younger, you know, being a worship leader as well. I would have opportunities to kind of go regionally. And I realized like the Lord spoke to me. It's like, you're in a season of sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. And Mm -hmm. that was okay. Like that gave me so much peace because operating at that pace of grace allowed me to not miss that vital season I needed with my kids when they were younger, when they were home more. Um, But it also gave me peace to know that there was a preparation. I mean, I was still preparing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't only doing that. I was doing little things that I could where there was grace, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then when God launched me more into ministry, um, it was, there was more grace with my kids for me to do that. There had already been some preparation in my own life. And there was just this excitement and this joy that didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was taking from others around me that, that mattered to me. And so I think it's just, there's, there's, again, there's seasons for all of this, but it doesn't mean that we have to hold ourselves back in order for others to be powerful. That's so good.
1: I feel like what you're speaking to is like, when you have the identity of knowing what you're called to, it doesn't really matter what you're doing at the time because you're always that person in whatever season you're in. And so you can like rest knowing that when you're doing something that seems small or when you're doing something that looks big, like no matter what anybody would think about what you're doing, as long as you're just doing what God has asked you to do in that season, you can be confident. Like that's the kingdom work I'm called to right now. Whether it's pouring into little kids or you're mentoring people or you are you have a ministry or a business or you're homeschooling or whatever you're doing, like that's the kingdom work. That's like pushing back the darkness by just doing what God's asked you to do. And I feel like in your book, you talk about this, like where you're, you do out of your being rather than the opposite yes. way, like, because you know who you are, you know what you're called to. And so you don't operate to like perform before people or to prove, you know, to people who you are. It's just like, you're just doing what God's asked you to do. And that's all he asks us to do. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Yeah. One of the things we say, um, and when we do a lot of our trainings on, for people on how to hear God's voice, um, we have these things called identity camps. So it's such a powerful way to discover who God says you are. But one of the things that we like to say is like, um, the truest thing about you in the universe is who God says you are. Mm -hmm. And that, that voice, like who God says you are matters more than any other voice. And when you actually know who he says you are and not just know, but you believe it, you're Mm -hmm. walking in it. You're walking from that place. Then that's where your destiny honestly begets, begins to unfold because identity is, is, intricately, um, connected to your destiny. You, and this is what you were talking about, Sarah, where, you know, we're not human doings, we're human beings. And a lot of people I know are looking for their purpose in their life. And they're asking this question, like, what's my purpose? What, I just want to know what God's called me to do. And I mean, I appreciate, and honestly, I used to ask that question myself, but I realized that's actually, that's not the right starting point okay that that actually is a result of the correct question which is god who do you say i am mm-hmm. and then discovering who heaven says you are actually is where you're going to flow from that place and that's what you're going to do you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. you have to be convinced of who god says you are um and so even as a you know like i use this example like okay i am a mother right as a mother That is not just something that my, my kids identify with me names, speak to your identity and they, they relay your responsibility and your authority, right? It's not just an identifier. So with my kids, they'll call me mom, but that term mom is more than just, Hey, I'm identifying you as uniquely my mom out of every other woman in the world. Like there's that, but that mom name that identity also says i have authority in your life to speak as a mother to lead you as a mother but i also have a responsibility to care for you as a mother to raise you up to hold the vision in front of you so so that name is an identity right and it's from that identity it's one of my it's one of my identities who god says i am it's one of those places that i am and it's from that place That my I flow, right? That that Mm -hmm. it kind of is like the vision that creates the path. It's like when God says you're something, it creates a path for you to walk on. And so the challenge, of course, is discovering who God says you are. But there are amazing tools out there um, to discover who God has uniquely created you to be. Again, I do believe that every every woman has the choice to step into this identity as a kingdom mother. And that mm-hmm. does um reveal a certain level of destiny and purpose as well. That's so good.
0: I know we're getting close to to time to wrap up, but I would I want to bring up one more thing that I think ties in really well with that. You talk in your book about we're not created to be bench warmers. And I think that, you know, you also said something about when you don't know what you're carrying, you can't step into it. You can't step into what you don't understand. And I think that there's a large population of women who are on the bench because they don't understand what's in them. They don't understand this mandate, this calling to the woman who's like on the bench and thinking I've never, it's never even occurred to me to, to step into the game. I've just been content here because I thought that's all that was available to me. What would you you say?
2: I think there's two components to that. I'm just going to mention I think part of the reason that we bench ourselves is because we think it's our job. <laughs> it goes mm-hmm. back to like not giving ourselves permission or not seeing that God gives us permission to be powerful and to be a world changer as well. And I've noticed, especially with women that, and I also talk about this in my book a little bit, but we tend to call something that sacrifice when it's really self-suppression, where we feel like, again, it's that idea that I have to let others be powerful, which means I have to suppress who I am so they can be seen, so they can be powerful. And unfortunately, many of us have called that sacrifice, you know, but it's actually self suppression. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I remember I was at this event uh, speaking once, a, women, a woman came up to me and said that many years ago, She had started to suppress her voice as a mother in the family so that her husband's voice as a father could be more prominent. And honestly, it hurt. It damaged the family. And Mm -hmm. she had realized that. And so she has been trying to bring her voice back in right now because why do we think that in order for the father to be prominent that the mother can't be prominent i'm not saying we don't sacrifice there are times we sacrifice but we're not we're not sacrificing our voice we're not sacrificing who god created us to be there might be things in our life, you know, like I sacrificed, I worked at a job. And then when I was pregnant with my, my first child, we made the choice. I'm going to stay home. We sacrificed that income so I could stay home and be with my son. That Mm -hmm. was a sacrifice, but there was a joy connected to it. And it was for the joy set before me. Right. So I think, I think women need to shake off that mindset, honestly, but the other component about really like getting into the game and knowing who God says you are is uh, I think you have to be able to recognize God's voice. I really believe that a component, a probably one of the strongest components to vision is the, our ability to be able to recognize and respond to the voice of God. And I believe every single person is hardwired for this. Every person is created to do this. And yeah. so learning how to do this is part of the journey and I'm, I'm honestly not just trying to sell, I'm not trying to sell a book here, but my second book, The God Connection, mm-hmm. really helps break down the 12 ways that we're actually wired within our being to be able to recognize God's voice. And I think that's a first step. I think we need to know who God says we are uniquely, which go, which would come obviously from the scriptures, but also from his current voice because he is still speaking today, and so, um, that, that is just a snippet because I mean, we do full trainings and I, I mean, we could literally spend 10 more podcast podcasts just on this subject alone, but I do believe that in order to understand vision, we have to see what God sees and we have to learn to hear his voice in the different ways that he's speaking. So that is a, that is a huge, I believe, um, just factor in discovering who God says we are. That's
1: so good.
2: Okay. Okay. Before we go, is there anything else you're feeling like you want to
1: share with our listeners?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I just want to encourage every woman on here that for such a time as this, God has brought you to this time in this place. It is not an accident that the terms women and mothers are being attacked as never before and try to be redefined because the enemy knows that when women become mothers, their offspring crushes his head. You know, that is found in Genesis one. And this is one of the reasons why the devil hates women, especially. Um, And actually God even said that there's gonna be a special hatred between the woman and the serpent. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's because I believe that her, it says her offspring will crush his head. Obviously we know it's talking about Jesus. It's foreshadowing Jesus, but honestly, who is the body of Jesus right now? we are. And so the enemy has done everything he can to crush the offspring before they even make it to the earth. And we're seeing it right now with just the, the identity crisis that's happening. It's all, it's all his plan to basically try to hold back the children of God from taking dominion over the earth. And I just want to encourage you that God Knew this. He was, he's so, he's like a thousand steps ahead of the enemy. And so, if you're listening right now, I want to encourage you that where you are, what you're doing matters. Like, even if you're just pouring into the life of one child or one person, you know, Billy Graham's mother poured everything into him and he changed the world. And he will say he's met with kings and presidents and leaders of nations. And he would say the most influential person in his life was his mother. And so if i if we've ever seen, you know what i mean, the the offspring, the godly offspring of a woman crushing the head of an enemy, what a great example. So again, what you're doing right now, this is for such a time as this. Do not be silent. The Lord needs every woman to step into her assignment as kingdom mothers to re- to raise up the godly offspring so that we can take and advance the kingdom of God on earth as never before. So be encouraged. God is with you. He is for you. And more importantly, he is in you. Mm, That's
0: so good. Um, One more thing, Bethany, how can our listeners connect with you if they want to dive more into some of your events, your trainings? Um, If you're on social, I know you have two books that are out and available. How How can they find you and connect with you?
2: Yeah, they can find me on Instagram. I'm at um, I think it's underscore Bethany Hicks, or you can follow my Facebook page, um, Bethany Hicks as well. Also, our website is propheticcompany.com. And so that displays um a lot of our training events, when we're speaking next, um, access to our books. My books are both available on Amazon, also an ebook and audiobook, because I know a lot of the younger generation the Millennials like uh, the audiobook formats um, those are probably some of the best ways to connect with me right now and just to see what resources are available that's perfect all right well thank you so much for your time and your wisdom we
0: know that you've paid a price for all that you carry and who you are and some of it is just your DNA from heaven and some of it you've you know you've really invested in you to become the expression of who you are so thank you for for everything you've done to become the fullness of the world changer. God's called you to be because you are truly a beacon of light and hope for all of us. And Sarah, did I not say after we hung out with um, Bethany at the conference, even just for a few minutes, I said, I want to be like her when I grow up. (laughs) I mean, I'm probably not, you know, we're probably close to the same age, but you definitely have the mother anointing that just kind of calls us up higher to step into the fullness. So. Thank you for what you carry and for sharing it with all of us here. It means so much and we're really grateful for your time.
2: Thank you. I'm so honored. And I'm even more honored that you think we're this close to the same age. That just made (laughs) my day. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you so much.
1: To get our free heart-centered homeschooling ebook or to book a breakthrough call about homeschooling or business with Sarah, visit the links in the description of this podcast. Also, we always want to hear your questions or ideas for new podcasts. So do please slide into our DMs on Instagram or post in our Facebook group. We would love to
2: hear from you.